Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Morning, guys. Russ here, and I've got some exciting news for you all. Support from All Over Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped the best in below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off and free delivery with the code MALLOVER20 at manscaped.com. Manscaped has just launched in the UK, and men have gone for years and years and years without having the right tools for the job. You can be one of the first men in the UK to experience their life-changing products. I know over the years I've struggled many times with personal grooming, shaving, creams, cutting yourself, all that sort of stuff. But none of that is a problem with the Manscaped redesigned electric trimmer. It features a cutting ceramic edge blade to reduce grooming accidents, 7000 RPM motor which enables it to work seamlessly through even the thickest of hair. So, go get rid of that bush, make it clean and tidy, and get 20% off and free delivery with the code MALLOVER20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free delivery with MALLOVER20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will definitely thank you. Now it's time for Brian Habana. Hi there, I'm Brian Habana, and you're listening to the MALLOVER podcast. Welcome to this week's More Over Podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at More Over Podcast, we are More Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook, and you can find all of our podcasts on Anchor and Google and Apple Podcasts and stuff like that. Um, we're going to start off this week with, uh, obviously, in recent weeks, we have been supported very kindly by Manscaped, who are the number one in male grooming products. And you can get 20% off all Manscaped products 
with free shipping using the code MALLOVER20 at manscaped.com. Now, we did decide to do like an Ask Mall Over Anything. And one of the questions for Ask Mall Over Anything came from our um, punching chat host, Adam Foxcroft, which I think fits quite in well into this sort of sponsored segment that we'll do to start off with. And what I want to see and what I want to know from you guys is which dictator from history do you think would have the most need for Manscaped products? Who would make the best use of them, Ben? Well, I think there's there's only one answer here, and it's it's got to be Stalin, isn't it? I mean, tremendous moustache. Uh, Georgian, and we've all seen Georgian props. So they've all got hairy backs, haven't they? You've got to say. I mean, to be fair, I mean, all, all, all of the Soviets look quite, kind of hairy to me. Khrushchev looks like a guy who would have a very hairy back. Um, and, and Brezhnev, big, big eyebrows. So I think it's just, um, just generally the Soviets, surely. Oh, well, that's an interesting take on it. I'm going to take it in a different direction, but I'll go to Phil, Phil next. Well, I think Ben's wrong, to be honest. I think... I think there's only one dictator who's famous for his his slightly lank, wispy hair, not only on his face, but generally all over him. And that's Genghis Khan. He, he is properly in need of a trim and a tidy up. I think if he was a if he was a bit tidier, he might have been able to have some actual open conversation with people rather than just running away and being scared whilst they're having their head chopped off. Mate, and imagine, imagine Genghis Khan with the uh, the redesigned electric trimmer. With a, with a face as smooth as a baby's bottom. Absolutely, with, a, with, that, with, with a little a light sack, on it. With a bull sack as smooth as a face as smooth as a baby's bottom. That would be if, incredible. If Stalin hadn't have been so irritated by his hairy back, then he might not have purged anyone. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Gen- Genghis Khan with a, bit of, a nice bit of scrotal deodorant and the whole world's a different place. I mean, Scrozzle Deodorant it could be the name of a podcast in its own right. Uh, Doug, not one for sort of facial hair um, in your, well, even in your advanced years. Um, but w- w- what's your thoughts? Well, as you've mentioned, as I don't have a lot of facial hair. You've got the same amount as Indira Gandhi. Yeah, I'll take your word for that. Um, but... As someone who doesn't have a lot of facial hair and therefore not a lot of need to buy really expensive razor blades, I've turned my manscaping tool into a facescaping tool. And with that in mind, I, I think that someone that could really have used the Manscaped 3.0 would have been uh, Adolf Hitler. He could have turned that thing on its side and ch- shaped up that little uh, top lip fuzz and he could have got rid of it all. And then maybe he wouldn't have needed to give himself two in the bunker. He could have just shaved that off Done, done a little crazy thing with his hair and disappeared into the underground. It's interesting you say that because I, I'm going down a, a similar route. So Ben's I, gone for the I Russians. thought you were going to say you've been on an Argentinian holiday and seen someone who... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you no, should no, say no. that. It's funny you should say that because, like, you went down the Russian dictator route. Phil's gone down the Genghis Khan proper historical route. Again. But, yeah, Doug's gone down the, the World War II route. Are you going to say Margaret Thatcher? <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, she could have the the Manscape 3.0, the Lawnmower 3.0 could have done a right job on her tash. But I'm going to look down towards Africa and the Middle East 
Now, you think of Osama bin Laden, you know, he had that, that beard could always have done with a tidy up, couldn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, Saddam Hussein, you know, icon- another man with an iconic moustache. You know, he could have done anything with that. And again, could have shaved it off and pretty much just disappeared in Iraq. Nobody would have known who he was. And then you can look at people like Colonel Gaddafi. You know, he always had a really neatly trimmed little goatee, um, although he was wearing... If he'd have shaved, if he'd have used the Manscaped 3.0, he he could have had a promotion to Brigadier. <laughs> Brigadier, Brigadier Gaddafi. I'm, I'm surprised he never did that for himself, really. Oh no! Come on, why limit yourself? <laughs> is he is he just giving? He's always giving himself somewhere to go. Hey, mate, maybe he was happy with the pension. Mama Gaddafi, chief of staff. Brilliant. Well, there you go. But you can get all of Manscaped products at 20% off using the code MALLOVER20 and at manscaped.com. That's MALLOVER20. If you're a dictator, just take one. There's, there's, <laughs> there's actually no obligation to commit mass murder. So uh, just, just buy one. Pubic hairs. Yeah. Your balls uh, will thank you. Purge your trouser area. I mean, that's technically what you're doing, isn't it? You're you're yeah. purging you're purging your body of all unwanted hair. Yeah, it's so, a uh, follicular genocide. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they they've missed a trick there, haven't they? <laughs> purging your genital area and follicular genocide. <laughs> I mean, if that's not a, if that's not a, we've we've already come up with seven titles and we're six minutes in. <laughs> Congratulations. So, uh, yeah, more over 20. More over 20 at uh, manscaped.com. Go and check it out. Um, could, could I also say I picked some notoriously left-wing individuals um, because I, I, I've been affected by some feedback we've had. Oh, okay. So I, I was like, right, I'm going to pick left-wing people to give it a bit of balance because we're so- all notoriously... White, middle, we, white middle-aged men. Who called us right wing? Uh, did you did you not see the latest bit of feedback? I, have we podcasted since I shared this bit of feedback? Oh no, I, yeah, oh, you yeah, yeah. About the Apple review, right? Yeah, the Apple review. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't even know who they are, and you know they can't have been listening for long. So it must have been one of those first-time listener, last-time listeners that we've also had a very similar review from, and that's my new favourite since that guy. So, and. Uh, yeah, I was just trying to bring a bit of balance. But the complete irrelevance of, you know, regardless of what we talk about, how irrelevant is our age, creed, colour, you know, in Wait, all of this? Man, he's spot on. <laughs> he, may, he, may, <laughs> he, may, he may well be, Doug, but, you know, there's no reason to put it on paper, is there? No, there isn't. We could have been four middle-aged Egyptian men, for all he knew. I mean, you're and half the Chinese. The would have come in very handy if we were. What he doesn't realise is, is Doug, you know, Doug doesn't put many photos of himself on social media and, you know, he's got a Chinese tinge. I'm trying, I'm trying to help everyone's wives out. Yeah. Phil, <laughs> Phil, Phil, Phil's got a very, uh, you know, Irish look about him and we all know where that leads us. And, uh, yeah, well, me and Ben are just very generic. 
Yeah. Generic. He just walked past us in the With street. A beard that contains a, at least nine different Pantone colours for us. You can't <laughs> be generic. I just blend it. I just I, blend into the background, mate. That's, that's that's the target that Russ is going for is generic because it's got to be better than a fat Johnny Bearstow. <laughs> oh, mate, fat Johnny Bearstow. So I that, like, like I say, I completed the trifecta last time, didn't we? So, yeah. So there you go. Um. Yeah, so we're not going to talk too much about rugby. What I will say is Exeter Leinster was an amazing game and Leinster thoroughly deserved to win. Uh, and one thing that never, ever changes is that Irish rugby Twitter is uh, quite entertaining, if nothing else. Because <laughs> even when they win, they're salty as fuck. It's the weirdest. Right, anyway, nobody really wants to hear us talk about... Um, Champions yeah, no, Cup rugby. Nobody's tuned into this rugby podcast for any rugby. Well, they haven't. That's true. Because when we announced that we wanted to do a, a bit of an Ask Us Anything, we were inundated with uh, inundated with requests for Literally for ones of questions. Literally one person's worth of questions, um, <laughs> of which I've been going back this afternoon. So so we'll, we'll just... We'll, have a bit of a ramble about some random um, random questions. And, and one person in particular, who I think he used to be Rugby Wobble, who is a long-time listener of ours, whose who's, uh, Twitter handle is now something along the lines of uh, Lee Sherif uh, du Chamois Sack, at Salty Nors on Twitter, has sent through uh, a myriad of questions for us. Um and the first one, which is off the back of a conversation that we had the last time we podcasted before Doug was cleanly shaving balls deep in darts and Phil had some uh, some friends around. Uh, and that's not a euphemism. Um, yeah. Uh, if Do you remember the last thing we talked about on the last podcast, which was when we said ask Mo anything and we went down a very dark rabbit hole of... Worldly Moe's, Mo Molan especially, mm. yes. So the question from uh, at Salty Nors is, the first one this is, he's sent us about 12. Um, if you could be any Mo in the world of any era, which Mo would you be and why? Which Mo? Doug, you start us off. I mean, you haven't... You haven't um... You haven't given me long to think about it, and I don't really know that many Mo's. But the one that springs first to mind was Mo Ali Cox, the New England, uh, sorry, the uh, Indianapolis Colts tight end, just because he's fucking massive, and I bet he gets mad chicks. Mad chicks. I mean, you you didn't ask for too much time to prepare answers for this, and I did ask. You know, one of the questions before we started recording was, "Has anybody bothered to look and prepare and provide?" Um, <laughs> prepare any answers and the answer was prepare question mark so this is all very much let me, let me um let me let me change that i i, I think and this is a uh, yeah I'd, I'd be mo johnston the ex-celtic everton and rangers footballer the first ever footballer to play cross the divide first catholic to play for rangers i believe love that uh, scored a load of goals as well Good, Phil. Uh, come, Mo. come to me last because oh. I don't want to steal anybody else's thunder. All right, go on in, Ben. <clears throat> um, 
if it was in terms of ability, I might say Moeen Ali. Um, but I'm going to go with Big Mo off EastEnders. Oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Big Mo. But... So, so the lady that's happy in her skin, isn't it? She just yeah. potters just... around doing her own thing. Go, goes about her business. Yeah. Um... Gary Oldman's sister. Well, apparently so. And yeah. I don't know if you ever listened to to the Frank Skinner podcast, like from his radio show on a Saturday morning. It's very entertaining anyway. It's basically the radio show with all the music and adverts cut out. And um, they have a thing called a big mo, which is like a, what they call a big moment where you realise something that everybody, like you answer or ask an, an obvious question that everybody kind of knows the answer to already. And you say, oh, you like you just said then, big mo, Gary Oldman's sister. Like every, everybody knew that already, and then and then you just realise it out of the blue, or you find it out and go, and everybody else goes, yeah, and yeah, we knew that. So yeah, good, big mo. Um, well, as you've stolen mine, you know, the one that popped into my head at the back end of the last po- podcast was Mo Molum, and you so know, you'd be dead. Well, it could be, could be, could be dead. I suppose it is historical as well. Yeah, yeah, and okay. she was. You know, the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland at a time that was... She, uh, she, she did some really good work. She did do some good work. Um, and, well, she's just quite funny. Quite a funny name, Mo Molum. Cool. And, um, and, double, and double Mo as well. Double Doug, Mo. Yeah. Mo Molum. Doug's furiously Googling famous Mo's. So, um, so, oh, no, I, so I did think, I did think uh, you could be Mo Farah because ultimately he's, he's probably got a bit of cash there. He's pretty famous. He's done fairly well for himself. But then you've got the shame of having advertised corn. Um, and me and vegans today are not on the same page by any stretch of the imagination. So I thought, actually, I'd, I'd be the Mo who's got the most money. So I'd be the Mo who's got $41 billion to their name. That's Mozambique. Oh, you go with the whole country of Mozambique? Yep. I am an entire country. Love that. <laughs> 30 million people at my disposal. With an average GDP of just over a thousand pounds at a thousand dollars a year each. Okay. <laughs> I guarantee you we'll be the only podcast talking about Mozambique's GDP this week. <laughs> They've got a belting flag. Have you seen it? They do. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. have because it's currently on my Wikipedia. Yeah. What, what? I wonder if the Mozambiques that fly their flag in their garden are known it's- as gammons. It's it's busy, isn't it? The Mozambique flag. It's a bit it busy. busy. It's a bit yeah. busy for me. It's a three bit too much stripes, me. three stripes, a triangle, a star, a book, a Kalashnikov with a um, bayonet, bayonet, yeah. bayonet attached, and a hoe. I think. I mean, it's slightly. It's slightly. You want to do some gardening? It's, Anyone it's else think of somebody twerking on that flag? Yeah, we. All, I think <laughs> hoes on flags should be encouraged. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Let's move on, right? All of these questions are going to come from, from at Salty Nors. I don't know how far we'll get into them, but let, let's crack on. Um, uh, there, are, there are some other ones on Twitter if you want to throw them in every now and then. All right, I will. I will do that. There was there was one about the Suez Canal, which would have been more relevant. Yeah. Which would have been more relevant <laughs> last week. Would have been more relevant last week. Um, in your opinion, Ben, yeah, who, uh, which member of the podcast has the easiest real life job, and why? Um, well, it's pro- it's pro- it's it's definitely you or me, isn't it? <laughs> Potentially, <'Cause laughs> Doug's got to have some technical knowledge and has to carry his cameras around. Phil's usually shoulder deep in a cow. 
Well, they're both um, incorrect, what you've just said, Ben, but whatever. But, I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we just sit in our houses and do stuff, really. So, I don't know. Only if Russ's house is the golf course. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. I work much harder than you. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> This is unbelievable. I thought, I, think, it might, I thought it might go this way. The easiest way to work it out is by looking at how many holes of golf you've played in the last <laughs> yeah. week. And I'll, I'll start with a zero. Ben, hey, I'm zero. Zero, right. Douglas? Oh, this will be interesting. <clears throat> <clears throat> is it over 100 <clears throat> in the last week? 54 holes in the last week. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. and Russ? I've probably <laughs> doubled that. <laughs> what? I play pretty much every day. How are you so shit? It's <laughs> a good question. Why? Why did you do? Come down and you play, mate, and do some practice. Yeah. Well, pre- playing and practice. Um, okay. Well, we all knew what was going to happen there, right? Uh, what is your favourite story, stroke, anecdote that you can repeat on the podcast? It uh, doesn't have to be rugby related. Um, in brackets here, there is a high bar trying to beat Russ in his flaming driveway. Now, I'm not sure how many new listeners we picked up in two years, but we are very, very close, if not days away from the two-year anniversary of uh, Barbecue Gate. <laughs> and, you know, if once, once you guys have, have thought of a funny story or if you've got anything... I may or may not retell uh, Firegate for people that have not heard it. So okay. mine, is, oh, mine oh, isn't oh. necessarily funny, but it's oh. it's a story that I like to recount frequently. Well, it doesn't have um, to be funny. Was, it's just a favourite story. I was uh, I was working at a game reserve in South Africa um, in my during my holidays from university, uh, and we had three young male lions that we were selling to another game reserve. So darted them down and my job was to to pick up the mats that these lines were in back into this box that's about six foot long, three foot high, maybe three foot wide, and then hold the line whilst the mats pulled out from underneath them and then crawl over the top of the line to get out of the box so that they could shut them down. First one goes in, everything goes smoothly. Just as I'm picking up the mat with the second one on, the third one lifts its head. So I turned around to the vet and went, that that line's not very sleepy. And he goes, nah, it'll be all right. It'll be fine. It's not a problem. Second one goes in. Third one, lift up the mat. By this stage, I'm motoring as quick as I can. Back into this box. And then literally, just as I put the thing that put the line down on the floor, it lifts its head, looks at me and roars. At which point I'd promptly completely fill my pants, scream like a little girl, can someone come and help me, help me, help me. And start punching this line in the face because yeah. hold, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> did you just say out loud that you punched a line in the face? <laughs> I, 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 I want some, I want some context. How old is this lion? Is it a fully grown adult male lion? What's the age of the lion? This is four weeks old. It's still impressive. (laughs) Mate, (laughs) but that's my point. If it's a lion cub that's that's eight eight months old. old. It's about three quarters size. It it would have been about 100, 120 kilos, something like that. But it was, bear in mind, it was like... If you a polar-sized lion, you were just punching it in the face. Well, 
I had solid wood behind me, solid wood to my left, solid wood to my right, and a lion in front of me. It was it was my only real option. But this lion was effectively just coming round from an anaesthetic, so he didn't really know what was going on. So I thought I would just try and put it to sleep again by punching it, which did nothing <laughs> other than piss it off some more. And then this South, this South African army colonel dives into the box and then pulls a, pulls a pistol out of his um, belt and then starts hitting the lion on the head. <laughs> Whilst I climb up, you're punching it. Pistol whipping a lion. <laughs> At which point I scramble That's over the top title. of it. Pistol whip lions. Slam, slam the door down, stick it on the uh, on the back of the lorry, and off it goes. Amazing. But yeah, <laughs> never never been closer to death than I was. Well, pistol whipped lion. That answers the uh, who's what's the most impressive animal you've ever punched question <laughs> that we have lined up for later, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, we won't bother with that one now. Uh. Oh, good story, Phil. That is a very good story. Ben, what about you? Oh, follow that. Fantastic. Follow, that. Yeah. follow, follow punching a lion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I was on holiday in Mozambique. And <laughs> I decked a giraffe. <laughs> From a ladder? Climb a tree? Just jumped, jumped out of a tree house. Just smacked it. Landed on my feet. Commando roll, ran away, tripped over a zebra, flight home, done. <laughs> one, one, one punch, one punch knocked him out. Yeah. Smashed it. There's I a cow on me. <laughs> <laughs> Doug. Um, yeah, I mean, it, probably my most embarrassed I've ever been was when I was in the, in the RAF and we were driving from... Kuwait to Basra, and when you get to the um, border of Iraq and Kuwait, which, by the way, interesting story, there's a like half mile strip of no man's land because when the border between the two countries was drawn, it drawn a map at the end of the Second World War of a felt tip pen. So there's a big bit of <laughs> no man's land between the two countries. Um, when you get to the border, you have to fill up the vehicle. It was a minibus. So I thought it was diesel, so I filled it up with unleaded. We then promptly had to drive through deepest Iraq for, <laughs> to Basra Airport through Umkasar, which was quite violent at the time, spitting five-foot flames out the back of a minibus, trying to be covert. We got to, um, we got, got to Basra International Airport where everyone's IDs was being checked and the bus was idling. And as the driver, which wasn't me, by the way, pulled away, it set off a huge backfire, which sent about 30 RAF regiment gunners <laughs> scarpering for every piece of cover they could find, <laughs> rifles being cocked, and uh, poor, uh, just little old me in, in a Suzuki Vitara behind this van, uh, shitting my pants, thinking I'd start. <laughs> so, yeah, probably not my finest uh, hour. I mean, both of the, you know, both of those stories, discounting Ben's for a second. Sorry, Ben. Because it's um, a lie. Because it's a lie. Which, which one of which? Which Wait. one of these is a lie? Um, like it, I think Phil's punching a lion story may well have topped Firegate as the funniest no. story ever oh, to be no, told no. on on the podcast. <laughs> nothing, pun- nothing beats Firegate. You, you punch I mean, the you lion. Must fear no one. Oh no! I, <laughs> I'm <laughs> petrified. Like, what are you going to do, mate? I've literally had a fight with a lion. <laughs> and survive. 
I mean, it was it was it was doused up on nitol. Um, <laughs> it was slightly slightly drowsy. Um, so, for those of you that haven't, you know, those long term listeners, I apologise for this. Um, but there were the, any new listeners in the last two years uh, that may or may not have heard this story. Um, it was a, a Saturday evening. I come home from golf and I decided oh, let's stick the barbecue on. But I've been I've been cutting the grass during the day, so I've let the barbecue on. The, I can't believe this happened. <laughs> I've, I've let I've let the barbecue um, with some with some bits of paper and and uh, some fire lighters and a, and a match and all the usual way you light barbecue. Um, but it was quite windy and, and I've got quite a long drive. It's probably about I don't know. Let's let's say forty meters long. You know, I've got a forty meter long drive, and uh, so and it's a bit of a wind tunnel. So I've lit this barbecue, and the petrol can where I used to fill the lawnmower was was relatively close. So I thought, oh, I better better move that. So as I pick it up, uh, the wind whips around the the driveway in the wind tunnel, and a burning ember comes off the the barbecue and catches the edge of the the jerry can which just so happened the lid was not securely fastened on so all of a sudden there is a sort of a small flame that then appears on the uh on the on the jerry can and the lid has fallen off and as doug you know mentioned when the uh when the car back when the minibus backfired and fell when the lion woke up I kind of shat my pants and, and all fire training that I'd ever received, you know, all logical thinking kind of goes out the window. So I've tried to move this, like I've tried to sway this jerry can out the way. And all I've done is, is proceeded in spilling more petrol over the edge of the jerry can. So now I've literally got a, a flamethrower in my hand with a, uh, a jerry can with flames bursting out the top. So in my infinite wisdom, I decide to leg it down the driveway in my flip in my flip flops with a, a full jerry can that's on fire. Um, petrol spill because I'm you know not the most fleet of foot. Petrol is <laughs> petrol is petrol is. <clears throat> excuse me, you can't petrol is run fire. Yeah, you can't outrun fire. Petrol is spilling everywhere uh, to the point where I drop the petrol can because my legs are on fire because I've spilt petrol on my legs. And I've managed to drop the petrol can right next to the front near side wheel of my missus's car. So now in in the space of about 12 seconds, I've gone from having a nice serene sort of barbecue experience to a, a petrol can on fire, which has subsequently set fire to my missus's car um, <laughs> on the near side front wing. Um panicking panicking that the car's going to go up like a scene from thunderball um i've ran round the car flicked me flip-flops off my legs are still on fire at this point i've run round the front of the car back up the driver's side <laughs> sorry that's just said so casually i've run round the car my legs are still on fire at this point <laughs> yeah but I've, but I've gone round i've gone round the front of the car up past the driver's side door Back round the back of the car, and I thought the only option I've got to get rid of this petrol can from right next to the car, both things are are, are ablaze, is to is to volley, basically drill this petrol can into into the middle of the road. 
So whilst whilst your legs are already on fire, whilst my legs are already on fire, I've got no <laughs> shoes or socks on, um, and and what what also I don't flip flops melting into your well, foot. Yeah, what I didn't know whether I mentioned first time is that obviously at this point the uh, the front wing of the car is starting to melt onto the concrete. And I've let so I've legged it down. I've volleyed this petrol can into the middle of the road, spilling more petrol on my legs and my feet, reigniting already burnt legs. But I've also managed to step in molten sort of plastic that is that is dripped from the front wing. So the underside of my right foot is stepping in molten plastic. My left foot has just volleyed a petrol can into the middle of the road. Um, I've then legged it back to the garage. You know, obviously up. 20, 30 metres away, up to the garage to grab the hose to come and start putting the fire out. And so I've turned the water on, I've legged it down with the hose, but I know in in a rational state of mind that the hose doesn't reach the front of the driveway. It's not long enough. So I've I've ran down the drive with the water coming out of the hose only to pull the hose off of the tap. So now I've got an empty hose in my hand with some pretty burnt legs and feet and water just pissing out in my garage. Just like I've got a flood in the garage and a fire on the driveway. And, <laughs> and, and what can you do? And at this point, my children and my so missus, many different things. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and at this point, um, my missus and, and my kids are in the in the living room and, and Erin, who's now eleven, has, has sort of looked out the window and gone, God, it's a bit smoky outside. What's dad what's daddy doing? And obviously to see me running around like a headless chicken with sort of gorilla buckets full of water and all sorts of stuff when I was just supposed to be outside cooking some sausages. Um, so yeah, some, some first degree burns later on the old legs and feet. And uh, yeah, there you go. That, that was, that was fire, fire story. And what then had, the local fire department turned up. What, what made me laugh? Cause I wasn't on the podcast where you told this story originally. I was on holiday and I was, I was listening to it on the beach and people were walking away from me because I was laughing so hard at this point. But the bit that made me laugh is Doug in the background just went, <laughs> £1.24 a litre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally just throwing it away. Yeah. <laughs> it's the little details that you forget over time, like the hose pipe, <laughs> the hose pipe anecdote. <laughs> it just makes it. There's, I'm sure there's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer sets himself on fire and you can just see him running past the window and the kids are just watching the TV and that's the kind of mental image I've got. Of it. <laughs> just, it's, it's just the amount of different thought I know. At no point did you think, just take your jacket off and put the fire out on your legs. Yeah, mate, it, it, the, the, you know, this, the whole story could have been negated if I just put the petrol can down when it caught fire. <laughs> Just put it down, and it would have just sat there. It would have sat there, isolated, and burnt itself out. Or I could have gone into the kitchen and got like a wet, wet towel, just yeah. put it over the top. So, yeah. so, like but, I said, but, but, but there's nothing funny about that. But, so many different things. But, but nature takes over. You're naturally a kicker. So you think, what am I going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to punt Absolutely. this, punt this burning can you over know, the road. If, if I was, if I was, um. Young Wei Ku or, uh, you know, Matt Prater, say, or uh, who was the guy who got drafted? Uh, Robbie Aguayo. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was impressive, to say the least. 
Well, it's, it's a good job you were never a second row because you'd have just tucked it up under your arm and tr- trucked yourself <laughs> into the car, knocked <laughs> yourself unconscious. <laughs> I would literally, if there was some way that that was caught on a security camera or something, <laughs> I don't your neighbour's got a security camera. No, no. And I don't. So for the there, there is a viral video on Twitter about a guy. Oh, uh, the guy who, on the who's throwing yeah, the a, he's trying, he's trying to throw petrol on the fire in the garden, and then just everything goes up around him. <laughs> just imagine that kind of scenario, but with but instead a, of the fence burning, it was it's your a car and the car. <laughs> I I think it'd make a good case file. <laughs> it absolutely would absolutely would and um fire hurts let me make no mistake about that nothing has ever hurt me physically as much broken bones whatever those burns i do often wonder about that you you think about like um yeah uh, um nicky louder yeah the pain he must have been in with like a burn windpipe yeah where it was you know mental just utterly, utterly mental. But in your case, extremely funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, let, let's move on. There we go. I mean, we're 33 minutes in. We've answered like two or three questions. So this is going well so far. Um, here's one for you, Doug, specifically. It's from the Cornish Incomer. Um, why did the Lensman block me on Twitter? Is it something to do with Vior? And I'm guessing you don't know. Um, if I block someone on Twitter, it was probably because of a strong left-wing political tweet. Um, yeah, probably something along those lines. Probably nothing personal. I'd probably just really disagree with your political views. It's <laughs> nothing personal. I just really disagree with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I've I've very little um very little time for um. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, fair my, my block list is essentially extremely um, left-wing, new-agey people. You know, Josh Gardner, Catherine <laughs> people, and and it would have there would have been a tweet somewhere down the line that I disagreed with strongly enough to hit the block button. There you go. You asked, and you sure. And I mean, to be fair, Cornish income, you're missing nothing other than food pictures. <laughs> um, but, yeah. interestingly when I search the hashtag ask Mo anything which is what I asked for there's a tweet here from the 17th of February 2014 um, which is Christopher Douglas uh, and it's directed at Morris Edu okay and, uh, and do you wish you had stayed at Rangers Morris Edu do you think Morris Edu wishes he stayed at Rangers <laughs> well it depends what uh, sort of when he was playing for them. I mean, if he was playing for them when they were in Scottish Division 2, then uh, and he got a more lucrative offer, then probably not. Yeah, I mean, he was supposed to be the next next big thing, wasn't he? But Wasn't that Freddie Adu? Oh, is that not the same well, guy? Uh, no, no he, he, went, he went... Different people. He went from Rangers to Stoke where he played one game, then went on loan to Bursaspor, Philadelphia, and Bethlehem Street. No, Bethlehem Steel. Sorry. Bethlehem Street. Is that, is that a, yeah, is exactly. that a real, real shit Sesame Street sort of with a religious no, no. tilt? To take good on crosses. After that, to take this down a slightly rugby route, <clears throat> why, why would anyone, like you say, went to play in Philadelphia? 
I think if you're a professional sportsman, America's got to be the greatest country on earth to live in, right? Uh, yeah, potentially, depending on what your sport is, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you regret leaving Rangers to go and play for Philadelphia? No. Next question. Well, he left Rangers to go and play for Stoke. Once. Yes. I mean, Stoke <laughs> yeah. just Glasgow South, right? Well, yeah. It's, it's swapping Sorry. one shit out for another. It's like a, a really shit suburb of Glasgow. Yeah, we've uh, we've got a mutual friend, haven't we, Russ? From uh, we have. He won't. He won't. He won't listen to this. <laughs> but he is an absolute walloper. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll thank me for saying that. He will. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Let's have another. Let's have another random question. Um, uh, other th- other than niche podcasting superstardom. Doug, what is your claim to fame? What's your biggest claim to fame? Oh God, that I really you really should have given me these questions pre-podcast, shouldn't you? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> um I mean I can come back to you. Is that is that specifically for me? I mean, does anyone well, else not have a bigger claim? No, it's 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 for everybody. I just happened to come to you yeah, first. Yeah, come back to me. I'll have a think because there's so many. I've got to narrow it down. Ben, right. Let me take you back to 1497. <laughs> <laughs> Thirty-seven so, minutes past three. I don't know what kind of clock you use. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, fourteen ninety seven, Henry the Seventh is uh, king of England, and he decides to start a scrap with the Scots. And um, the people of Cornwall, quite rightly, are a little bit annoyed about getting taxed by this because they've got no quarrel with the Scots because the Six Nations hasn't started yet. Um, and um, the, there was a Cornish rebellion, and a chap called Thomas Flamanc was one of the leaders, and uh, Angoff was the other one, and. Um, they uh, they marched all the way to London with an army, and um, as soon as they saw the king's army, they they promptly surrendered. Um, but um, Th- Thomas from Ankh, who was hung, drawn, and quartered, is uh, some kind of ancestor of my mum's. Um, but the uh, the family tree, someone in Canada did a lot of research on it, and it gets lost somewhere in the seventeenth or eighteenth century. So uh, I can actually claim to be the di- direct descendant. With as much evidence as anyone else can, um, which means uh, which means if it wasn't for Henry the Seventh, I'd live in a nice manor house. <laughs> what a wanker! Yeah, just Says a lot. So, 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 so with that in mind, with, with that Sorry, in mind, you, then you can come round and visit at some point, Ben. That's fine. Yeah, thanks, Philman. Boscan <laughs> Manor. That would have been my house. Do you know what's there now? Do you know what's there now? Camel Valley Winery. I could just imagine me on my, my balcony of my manor. Drinking some shit English wine. <laughs> drinking my... Drink, <laughs> very nice, actually. Drinking my li- lovely sparkling wine. If you're listening, Camel Valley, watching we're open to sponsorship. Talk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, watching the peasants going Valley, down I'm the Camel Trail. persuaded yeah. that you're not shit. <laughs> like every other English wine. This is basically <laughs> grape juice. Watching the peasants toil. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. I could just see myself doing that. So yeah, I'm um, just basically 
a, a rebel, as you know. Uh, well, I mean, as everybody who has ever listened to this podcast knows, you are You're... the most rebellious um, member of the podcast and probably one of the most rebellious people in Cornwall. Well, your middle name is Danger, isn't it, Ben? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. you're, you're just waiting, Ben, aren't you, for the next time that Westminster comes to try and take over Cornwall and well, tax actually, us unnecessarily? Actually, if I'd known, Boris Johnson was at Perrin Sands the other day. He was. You'd have been, you'd have been there with your placard. Yeah. My great, 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 great yeah. granddad, question mark, maybe. Didn't yeah. give up his life for nothing. Give me back my winery. <laughs> oh, uh, Phil, my, my biggest oh, go on, Doug, go on. Uh, if you watch the funeral of Princess Diana, when the princes come out of the palace that they're living in to join the procession, you can see me and my friend Gonch right on the front row of the crowd. Can you? You went to yeah. Princess Diana's funeral? Yeah, we were in the pub and we we um, were really pissed and said, let's go to Princess Diana's funeral. So we went. So you were you just 18 at that point, that summer of 2005? Oh, sorry, 1997? 97 maybe or 96? I can't remember. Yeah, I was at college. I was at Harlow College and um, Lawrence was a photography student. And uh, we said, oh, let's go down and get some pictures. And we, we got on a train from... Harlow to Liverpool Street, got to Liverpool Street, realised neither of us had a camera. <laughs> <laughs> went, 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 to the, went to the news agents, got a disposable. Let's get some pictures. Here's my pad and my charcoal pencil. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you watch that back on YouTube, and you, you'll see a young Chinese lensman peering over the barrier front row. With a little sign, free the bobbin one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's quite to- that's relatively topical, isn't it? Yeah. After uh, this weekend, I mean, Ben hates the monarchy. Doug was at a monarch's fu- a monarch's funeral. Yeah. In a this weird is... quirk of fate, my boss at my old company, Telegenic, he that was one of his first jobs in television. Um, I was stood at that that little barrier. He then gave me my job. He's now gone freelance, and I booked him for his first freelance job. The circle of the wheels. The wheels are constantly turning, and I'm in the middle of all of them. Doug is <laughs> on the sports TV gravy train. Yeah, <laughs> Doug's quite a big deal when it comes to sports video. Unfortunately, I, so I've had this pencil booking for the last five years that I was going to be a cameraman on Phil's funeral, but COVID's uh, scuppered that. Prince Phil. I thought you meant our Phil. <laughs> yeah. Is there something you don't is something you're telling him? That's it. Wait, is that, wait an, an, is that an actual fact? The, the yeah, it was meant to be like, like it was meant to be, you know. His a, funeral a, was meant to have been five years ago. Wait, it's been, been planned for the last literally since I've been in television, hers and his funeral have yeah. been planned. That's very different from saying his funeral was meant to have been five years ago. <laughs> there was a there was an article. Oh, maybe it should of, have been. A couple of years ago in The Guardian, because despite reviews, I'm a Guardian reader, um, and it was what happens when the Queen dies, and it's all planned. There's like... Yeah, it's, there's uh, like... I can't remember what... I think all of the royals' funerals are given names of bridges. 
Yeah, it's um, so London Phil's Bridge is the Queen. Yeah, and and Put, and it's Philip. Is Philip Putney? No, is that, is that Edward? Uh, no, he's the fourth bridge. Isn't it? His, his, no, fourth his bridge. bridge. I think bridge it is the River Kwai. Yeah, it? <laughs> <laughs> River, River Kwai. But um, uh, apparently they've got two playlists. Every radio station has got two pl- playlists. Basically, sad and saddest. <laughs> so if... sorry that's no sad and sadist <laughs> but did, um i think it was george the fifth i think they what was his playlist yeah. <laughs> a lot of musical we, just banging out the classic debate were, were you were you down to do cameras on that as well doug but they <laughs> they the, the doctor killed him um they they basically they, they were like he's gonna die today but if we kill him now, they, it can be announced in the Times. But if we let it go a couple of hours, it will be in all the evening papers, which is a bit vulgar. So they um, basically pumped him full of opium. <laughs> so it could be announced <laughs> so in the Times. In the morning. Yeah. 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 Incredible. Incredible. I mean, yeah, it, I, I, his I funeral has basically gone from like needing 60 or 70 cameramen to like five probably do it on a drone couldn't they a yeah. drone a drone and internal camera on a on a tripod yeah surprise harry's not doing it um <laughs> phil. <laughs> phil i mean like we've gone from talking about our claims to fame to uh royal funerals which is quite incredible you won't get this anywhere else folks phil what's your claim to fame um, so no, no, it's not actually that. I was on John Craven's news round when I finished runner-up in the Cub Scout Chatterbox that competition of 1993. Mid, that was mid U as well, weren't it? You did well. <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, was John was John Craven ever named in uh, in U Tree? Was he always a not sure about he, he probably died before he got you know fingered for he's it. Still alive. He's still alive. <laughs> Oh, I'm not having John Craven. If he's alive, he must be older than Prince Philip. Let me let me tell you one person who who never got fingered in inverted commas um, well, on, you, on 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 tree on but is on tree but his his haircut would would suggest otherwise. His nutkins. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, John Craven's still alive. He's eighty. The oh, irony of using fingered as well. Absolutely. See, Did he get his finger bitten off by a ferret or something? Was it an otter? Was it an otter? Yeah. Fucking nutkins. Just balls deep in an otter. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he would have been two fingers deep before he lost one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, oh, who knows? Right. Um, so you were on Newsroom, Phil. Well, along a similar line, actually. Uh, 1990 six maybe 97 i'm trying to think when the, when there was election my mum's cousin used to be the editor of live and kicking do you remember live and kicking yeah schofield and um Philippa, Rosman, uh, what's her name she was really fit philippa forrester forrester yeah. yeah and then it was and then it was they were superseded by Thigston and zoe ball and zoe ball was a very attractive young lady in those labette type days and um, anyway, if you remember on a Saturday morning, they used to have a group of st- basically stage school, school kids that used to sit around and mince about and ask questions to the celebrities and all that sort of stuff. You know, the Sylvia Young 
generation kids that just used to you should wheel out week after week. Anyway, because Chris was the editor, me and my sister got to uh, go on a couple of times. And I asked a question to Robbie. I was on Live and Kicking and asked a question to Robbie Williams. And I think the clip is still on YouTube somewhere. Um, I'll see if I can dig. I'll see if I can dig it out and click. He it knows up. exactly where it is, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> Philippa Forrester, Emma Forbes was another one. Emma who, Forbes who was it. the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Zoe Ball was there when I did it. She was lovely. Um, but yeah, so I, I asked the question to to Robbie Williams about the general election. Can you imagine that? It was after he just re- just left. Take that released. Oh, um, old before I die, and um... who, I don't know who would have cared less about that question, you or him. <laughs> I know, yeah. I was also, so, I, I, I also can imagine you with your little ginger curly hair and an earring. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shirt, shirt, three buttons down. Yeah, I think I was yeah. wearing a shirt. I'll, I'll find it anyway. I, I, I was, chest I was also, out. I was also involved on the other time that I was on the live and kicking. I was involved in a in in a little skit with Trevor and Simon. Do you remember those two wallopers? Moon yeah. monkey, moon monkey. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they were introducing a segment, doing their usual sort of skittish comedy type bit. And I was wearing this. Do you remember like mid nineties, like the spliffy jeans and amnesia type <laughs> stuff, tops and all that yep. sort of? Do you remember like um, Fido Dido and Spliffy and all that sort of shit with the um jeans with the straps on so i had a pair of those and had this top on it said amnesia on it and it was just this weird sort of logo type thing and what the the joke was that you know they were on about oh i feel really want something to eat and uh and he said oh i I really fancy some of that rice pudding i can't i can't remember what it's called i think i think it might be amnesia and then in this real harsh West Country sort of Bristolian accent. There's this kid that stood next to him and goes, "Oh, I think you'll find that's ambrosia," and yeah, horrible. It makes me cringe just thinking about it. But that actually actually happened. So I want to see you. it. I'll I'll find it. I'll clip it up and I'll find it for you. Um, and I'll put it on on the Mall Over feed at some point this week. And uh, I'll put it on the rather than the whole thing. I'll just do do my bit. Russ has gone, hasn't he? Yeah. Yep. It's a shame. Slag him off. He's it's so shame. fat. Look how fat he is. I think he should get the earring back. Oh, I do as well. <laughs> I, um, I can remember like, being out on the piss with Russ a few times and, and just marvelling at how much he sweats as a human being. <laughs> um. I don't think this is going to be recording, is it? If he's um... well, it still says Mauler's recording the call. Um, right. So where did we get to? Oh, I was just finishing off my story about um, live and kicking. So that was cool. Um, let's find another question. How how long were we going for then before it all? Oh, you literally got to the end of your story and yeah, then right. you cut out. Yeah. Okay, right. So another another question from uh, at Salty Nors. Um, let's have a look here. Um, which member of the pod is consistently the biggest shit house on a sports field? Do you reckon? Well, I've I've only played sport with one of you, so 
my my default answer is you, Russ. Although you might watch the shit house as a lazy shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, fair enough. I I wouldn't. Uh, obviously, Ben's the nicest guy in Cornish rugby podcasting history, who should be living in a manor house. Um, and I've never seen Ben do anything vaguely shithousery on a rugby pitch. I think you you're just too nice, or I'm too far away when you do it. Um, because I'm lying on the floor blowing out my ass. Um, <laughs> Russ, Russ just kind of throws his toys out the bram a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I was going to say if I've you seen, mean, I've seen Russ properly lose it on the beach because he got in beach rugby because he got called for uh, for his knee going down on the sand and oh, but I tripped, I tripped. It wasn't on purpose. Properly <laughs> lose it with a ref. Yeah. Phil I Morris mean... was having none of it. I mean, if if you're talking physically, it's probably Phil because I I remember playing in a charity game and then, but it was against yeah. Phil's old club and he came out swinging. Uh, <laughs> but um, in terms of referees, it's Russ for sure. Yeah, I hate referees. Yeah, in all ways, shape, or form, I really hate referees. Mostly because they're the people that never got picked at school, so they would just want to ruin everybody else's day. So I did. I played a game once with. Um, I'm sure he doesn't listen, so I'll say it anyway. I played a game once with Andrew Parker refereeing, who uh, was one of the vets at Clifton Villa Vets, um, and I knew who he was, and I'm not entirely sure he knew who I was, um, but. The, it would be fair to say the practice I was working for and the practice he was working for didn't necessarily get along that well. And I was on the ground lying on the floor and he was running backwards to mark a pen- where a penalty was. And I thought, I'm not going to miss this opportunity. So I stuck my leg out and tripped him over whilst he was <laughs> running backwards and then disappeared quickly. So he didn't know I, who it was. I did once get penalised for being patronising. <laughs> <laughs> if you're talking about ridiculous reasons for getting punished on sports field. I think Doug, we, we, Doug, you're a nine. Surely it's going to be you every time. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But it isn't. Um, do you know what? Sorry, I was just putting my uh, drink back. I'm. I I haven't played enough rugby to feel confident enough to um, be gobby on a rugby pitch, mainly because I'm terrified of everyone. Whereas on a football pitch, I'm a different animal. Yeah. There was, there was, I played a little bit at nine, um, probably 15 years ago. And I, I did try all the different tricks, like at, at the scrum on their put in, you stand in the laces of their scrum half so that when he tries to run around the back, he trips over, knocking, knocking the ball out of his hands as he's about to put it in, like sticking your fingers down his socks, just anything just to, to try and piss him off if the ref's on the other side. And I did quite enjoy that, but I got smacked a fair few times for it. Oh, mate, I, on the football pitch, I can remember playing for RF Wittering against somebody or other. And um, I was playing fullback and their winger, <laughs> I, I just kept digging. Every time we tackled, I like, went in for a tackle, I'd get up and stand on his foot. You know, I was pulling his armpit hairs, Dennis Wise style. And uh, we went in for a tackle and I got up and stood on his ankle. He said, you do that again, I'm going to punch you so many times you think you've been ambushed. And I was like, mate, that's A, a shit line, and B, no, you won't. So <laughs> I did it the next time. And sure enough, he got up and he smacked me about five times. <laughs> and we both got sent off, which was the worst bit. Um, but yeah, on a rugby field, no. I've only ever had words. I think I've told you 
the majority of my rugby ones, there was the the centre who larruped our winger uh, in a tackle, literally concertinaed him and did the old big, you know, the woo thing that is... Oh, the Ric Flair? Yeah. And um, I called him a... (laughs) I said, you better shut your fucking mouth, you fringe, or I'm going to do that to you. (laughs) And uh, calling calling him a fringe seemed to enjoy... His forwards, his own forwards seemed to enjoy that quite a lot. Um. But yeah, everyone on the rugby, I, I, I just have the default position that when I run onto a rugby field, everyone has the ability to stove my face in. So I, t- I just try to get through it. Yeah, Survive. Yeah, but Russ, you, you can attest to my... Uh, mate, I think well, we've obviously told this story before, but you getting sent off for calling me a fat cunt when we were on the same team <laughs> is <laughs> one of the best reasons to get sent off I think I've ever seen. <laughs> you, know, you can't you can't you can't argue with it but um, he is ref but he is like, I'm, only <laughs> state, I'm only stating a fact i love the fact that like, you said that as he was pulling out the red card yeah but he is <laughs> look, look at him unbelievable um, right i've got i've got two more questions right they're both semi uh well almost rugby related so uh aka wd40 one of our long-time listeners um he said, as Eddie Jones's loyalty to the human port pie that is JB George cost Luke Cowan-Dickey a lion's spot, I don't, I don't actually think that he has. If anything, he's made him more lions worthy. Don't know what anybody else thinks about that. But human yeah, port pie, yeah, human port pie makes me laugh. He's gonna, he's gonna get in the squad, and then um, Gatland will pick based on how they perform in camp. But I'd be amazed if Cowan-Dickey doesn't go unless he's injured. I think Eddie Jones has probably cost 10 England players their line spots. Yeah, just not him. Yeah, agree. Uh, and the other question from AKA WD40 is, uh, hard going back to our dictator chat from earlier today, which was which, fa- which famous dictator wins a Royal Rumble? Henry VIII. Fucking massive. You've, you've, gone, you've gone size. I mean... Earthquake and Typhoon didn't win many Royal Rumbles between them, did they? Got to no. think outside the box. No, if, but if we're he's, bringing he's, kings he's into proven this. himself to be ruthless. Um, he's got no issues going over the top with punishments. Um, and he's fucking massive. If, if, we're going, if we're going kings with this, there's any number of Plantagenets that are kicking Henry VIII around the ring. I mean, you've just you've just used the word that I've no idea what it is. Everyone's <laughs> showing his kings. Uh, kings are the male leaders of countries. Year five. <laughs> <laughs> Plantagenets. Yeah. What's a Plantagenet? It's not. It's they a crossword were, for gardeners. They they were the kings before the Tudors. Oh, right. Okay. Famously bad-tempered. French. Very yeah. French. Yeah. Surrender monkeys then. Um, uh, Pol Pot. Pol Pot. Not Paul. Not to be confused with Paul. Because he turned the ring into a mass grave. <laughs> there yeah, we but go. They got, but they got to go over the top to to get out. It's a Royal Rumble. Well, we could. If they stick in the grave. It's fine. Well, He's last still, man still out. In the ring. You get over the top. You're the last man out. You're winning. And Paul. No one's got more experience of putting people in big holes than Pol Pot. I wouldn't look too far away from Saddam Hussein. You know. I think Saddam, you know, he, he would hide out. He would hide out so early doors. Huh? 
so woke. What with my up-to-date references? <laughs> I think he would hide he out. Two thousands. Uh, yeah, he would hide out early, sort of just creep under the radar a little bit, maybe uh, hide under the floorboards of the ring, and then uh, yeah, just come out when there's only a couple of people left. I'll doing tell you shit, would be, shit would out be somebody shit. with a chair. Robert Mugabe would be shit because he would go in there and give it the big bollocks from the start oh, and yeah. then just get They'd, get tossed out minute M- one. Mugabe would be one of those dictators that everybody else wanted to get out. Well, he'd be yeah. the one that runs down the ramp at full speed, runs straight into the ring, yeah, and slides, slides straight, out the other. straight over the top. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hopefully, I mean, yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind Mugabe. <laughs> as far as far as dictators go, yeah, I mean, as far as dictators go, Mugabe's up there, sure. <laughs> oh wow! Anyway, right. So, so the the last question I'm going to ask. What, 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 Sorry, Ben. I thought, did, you not answer, did you not answer? Idi Amin. Idi Amin. That is Big a unit. great answer. Big unit, wasn't he? Wasn't he a boxer or a rugby player or something? He was a boxer, wasn't he? Didn't he have yeah. some um, some sort of world championship fight? So he he was definitely the, the uh, champion, champion boxer of um, what do you call it? I, want to say six, the, I, I nearly said the Yemen. Four. Six foot four, Ugandan. Ugandan light heavyweight boxing champion. I mean, six four. foot six foot four is a light heavyweight. I'm I'm yeah. gonna que- I'm gonna question those scales. <laughs> six foot four, uh, forty three children. Yeah, it's an estimate. Oh, he's an extremely say. virile man. Yeah, good rugby player apparently. I mean, he'd be good, he'd be as good as whatever he told you he was good at. He's, yeah. he's already he's already got his wrestling name sorted. He's already got a nickname, the Machete. <laughs> Eddie the Machete. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good, Eddie. I'm in. No one thought of that. That's a good film. What's that film with? Last um, King of Scotland. Yeah, 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 that's right. You know, you know, he served in the British Army for sixteen years. Who? I mean, yeah. I suppose that's where the that's where the the Scottish reference comes. That's where he was at Santos, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the King's African Rifles. Yeah. Prince Harry went to Santos. There you go. Um, right, la- last question for this round of of ask mo anything. Right, is probably one of my favourite, um, and it's kind of twofold. What flavour curries would Tom and Ben be? See, so I saw this and I thought, oh, I really need to think about that, and obviously I haven't. <laughs> um, can you can you have like a gorilla curry? <laughs> Um, what as a as a meat? A, a gorilla madras. It would be a bit tough, wouldn't it? I wouldn't. I wouldn't like bit, to eat bit, it. Bit spicy. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. I think it would be. I think it would be. You know, a, a poorly constructed lamb. <laughs> just just have real real tough bits. But, right. But be very but be very tasty. Maybe a gel, maybe a lamb gel frazy or something. Uh, yeah, I, see, I, I think, think Tom Tom would be like a gel frazy, and Ben would be something just not quite so hot. Like well, a similar think, but not quite so spicy. I madras. think they'd be the same kind of curry, but one would be lamb and one would be chicken. Right, S- slightly just depending on your preference, you go for one or the other. But I, I was thinking something like a, like a, a madras, a good all rounder, quite hot but not mental hot. 
bit tasty. Nothing. Like men- mental hot. Like which which rugby player would you would you put in the foul category then? Like Mickey Skinner. Well, I mean, foul like, is no Mike longer the, the standard bearer for hot curries, in my opinion. Okay. That that would be the naga. Oh yeah. If you get a naga on a menu, you know you're looking at some uh, potential rectal bleeding. Um, <laughs> some Matsuyama. Serious, serious case of... Um, Organ failure. Well, so, no, um, heartburn. You, you're going to be eating plenty of Rennie that night. So um, what you're looking at there is is a bit more of a one-trick pony of a back rower. So <laughs> you, you could say maybe Billy... Well, you know, was, do you know when you Billy, when you went Billy circa four you years ago? Bismarck Duplessis. Do you think Bismarck would be a naga? Uh, just do just do for do having Bismarck in his name. If I had to tackle think... anyone called Bismarck, I'd you know, <laughs> be making business decisions. We, we missed him in the um, dictator section, didn't we, Bismarck? I bet he could handle himself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. No doubt. Um, any other I, I, rugby I like players as foodstuffs? I, I, I think Eddie Jones would like to think he's a, a naga, but really is a passander. <laughs> I don't even think he gets I think, I think Tamana, He's I like think a Tamana, butter chicken. I think Tamana <laughs> Harrison is a... Uh, is a um, what's the lentil one? A Dansack. Because yeah. he's, he's kind of nearly there. He's just not quite up to the job. I love a Danzac. <laughs> so do I, but I wouldn't pick one to uh, play for England. One of, our, one of our podcast titles was an underspiced Danzac. It you was. In a, hotel, in a hotel somewhere, yeah. eating eating an underspiced Danzac. Yeah. I've subsequently oh. learned through my um, um, foray into Curry's cooking that the underlying and, and key thing to any curry is the base sauce. Yep. So if you have a if you have a curry house that makes a particularly unspicy base sauce, then their curries will be particularly unspicy. Um, I think Johnny Wilkinson would be a korma because he's smooth and creamy and just delicious, I but mean, quite bland now. Kormas are shit, man. Kormas are real shit, and I don't can't believe no, called, I can't believe, you called, can't believe you called Johnny shit, Wilkinson but, shit. But so, they're great when I'm twelve. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, if that was the case, it'd be a secret. If, if we ever do get to go for a mall over curry, and if anyone orders a korma, I'm leaving. If anyone um, orders a korma, they're getting a naga shoved directly up their rectum. <laughs> <laughs> Skip the stomach, take the pain. Can you think of any other? Have you got any other rugby players that that could double us, or you could uh, attribute as foodstuffs? Shabal Zakima Nan. I don't really know why. Just... Um, Joe Marla has the egg and chips that's always on the menu for the person <laughs> that doesn't like it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> chicken, chicken, chicken and chips. Fish, fish and chips at an Indian. <laughs> <laughs> no idea why he's there. No one wants it. Uh, it was good in the 70s. Banter. <laughs> no one wants that banter on an Indian menu. I, I have actually been on it for a curry and someone had scampion chips. Yeah, me too. There was a guy yeah. at my old workplace, Sean Mulhern. Because everyone, we used to go to curries all the time and he would always order either chicken and chips, egg and chips, 
what you're even here for. She so, was there because we'd gone to watch cricket Edgebaston and we we found this amazing curry house in Basingstoke. And uh sorry, sorry, sorry. went to watch on, cricket, that you, wait, you went to watch no, cricket Edgebaston. You drive <laughs> back to Edgebaston and went down the M3. No, you wouldn't even no, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't. Even, you wouldn't no, even not Basing, not Basingstoke. Somewhere else. Cheltenham. Was it was it, was it on that was it on the Hagley Road, Ben, in Birmingham? No, it was it was outside of Bromsgrove. Bromsgrove, that's it. Yeah, oh, easily mistaken. Yeah, couldn't understand why we missed the first session. Yeah. <laughs> take, take take the man out of Cornwall. And uh, yeah, well, yeah. So the lad we were with was like, I hate curry, and we were like, well, tough. This is where we're eating. So he ended up having scampi and chips, but they did sprinkle some coriander on it. So. <laughs> love a bit of coriander gotta be honest um i know this has been a an ask uh more over anything podcast that's probably been going on a bit too long already uh but f- as far as any other business comes is concerned um i i just wanted to talk very quickly about the hundred and have you seen the news today about the hundred that is uh they're not going to be called wickets in the hundred, they're going to be called outs. Yeah, which aptly describes what I feel about the hundred. I'm out. I mean, have you seen? Although I am working on about ten games of it this year. Okay, so whilst you'll remain completely impartial for this next, hate the hundred, love bit, money. Yeah. Um, did you see the presenting lineup? <laughs> have you seen the presenting lineup for the hundred? I may or may not have had a. A little um, WhatsApp message about that. You may or may not have done. So uh, the line, the lineup has got Freddie Flintoff at the front, front and centre. Great idea. Probably the most recognisable cricket-based person in the UK ever. I suppose if you were to put him there, uh, Ian Botham might have something to say about that. But... Yeah, but I suppose when you're looking at you know the people they're trying to entice in for the hundred. Um, Freddie Flintoff is in on top gear and shit now in a league of their own, isn't he? So the most people would recognize um, him. He's then flanked by, well, several, four people on each side in a flying mighty ducks formation, um, which in the corners of this mighty ducks uh, formation is Stuart Broad and Kevin Peterson. And then there's a collection of people in the middle that 99.99% of people in the world will have no clue who these people are. But they are literally handpicked from every um, stage of society. And so, it's not in a, so the whole, the whole demographic, about, demographic, that's correct. The and they, so the what they've done, what they've done, so what they've done is they put three. Middle-aged white men, ironically, in the corners of this V, and then and then filled the rest the rest of it with with people from all walks of life, which obviously I've got no problem with, but it's it just looks like it looks really really strange, and it but, looks like they forced it. But I mean, your way. your traditional thing would be to have your your three key people who people are going to recognise front and centre. And they've obviously tried to stick Broadie and KP out of the sides to, to for those kind of armchair cricket fans who who would recognise them. Go, oh, they got them as well. 
But the whole point of the hundreds to try and attract more people to cricket and yeah. the, the people it wants to attract probably don't know who KP and Stuart Broad are anyway or wouldn't recognise them from the photo. They might know their names. Um, so what it ends up looking like is Freddie and a load of groupies around him rather than <laughs> a, a presenting team. Because none, really of, none of them are dressed like present, like they're ready to present things either. They look like it's kind of Freddie and Mufti Day at the local tech college. You know what it looks like to me? Focused group sport. Mm. It's like they've gone, it, but the, the people that were in the focus group were people that, you know, hate sport, were in the same demographic that voted for Brexit and are on cricket club committees yeah um, and and they've gone you know what we need to do Nigel? we need to get some people in here they keep going on about women so we'll get some women, some women. <laughs> and we need someone from each section of society right so who do you think i, I and then someone's gone what about that connie huckbird from blue peter yeah get her in I don't know if she's in it or not because I haven't looked. But it is literally like somebody has just gone, okay, how can we please everyone on Twitter? Yeah. Except cricket fans. And you know, you know the people who are best placed. You know the people that are best placed to answer questions on diversity is even older middle-aged white men in the ECB. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Co Connie Huck's married to Charlie Brooker, isn't she? Yeah. So they could I, actually, actually make better. She's a lovely person. Yeah. They, if it turned out that the hundred was just a very sort of niche episode of Black Mirror, I wouldn't be that surprised because it's that stupid and that ridiculous. It, it, it brings me back to this. Its... Sorry, you go. go on, no, you go, Phil. I was going to say the hundred in itself is like it's come from a focus group. It's come from mm. well, we've got this idea of the bat and a ball. So how can we make having a bat and a ball more appealable? Well, twenty overs, people get confused by what's an over. Let's pick a nice round number. Let's call it a hundred. They don't understand what a wicket is, so let's call it an out. Um, but my my big issue with it from a diversity perspective is there's no fatties in there. They're they're all skinny people. So they're 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 effectively body shaming us through their presenting team. Jesus. No, oh, yeah. To be honest, he, he looks like he's... Um, yeah. I love uh, Freddie. I'll, I'll, say, Freddy I'll save well. that for, for a non-public forum. <laughs> in, my, in, in my opinion, all of sport, and I think I've said this before, but all of sport is basically desperately trying to get new people involved. Um, every sport isn't football all about new people and every single one of them does not give one single fuck about the people that already like it because they'll assume that you'll still be there because you already like yeah. it yeah but they'll, like they'll drive it. everyone away the same they get of, if they get if they get rid of the four day cricket for some bobbins gimmick like the hundreds god help us Christ, even the even the promo thing for the hundred with the team captains of the men's and the women's teams, it looks like some failed auditions from a boy yeah. band. It's I tell you, I've, I've told you this before, and I think we may have even discussed it here. The way to solve the inequality thing around cricket and the money and all of that sort of stuff, 
would be to create a cricket competition. If everybody wants to be equal, then let's have some mixed cricket sides. Let's have some mixed. Let's have some mixed teams, and then let's watch Ben Stokes absolutely larrup a lady bowler. <laughs> lady bowler. Three <laughs> on three hundred meters down the Hagley Road at Edgebaston, and we'll watch Joffrey Archer um, taking people's heads off. I'm, we... I'm here for that. Now that I would watch. <laughs> Absolutely, that would that would. <laughs> Did get you, me have blue. you seen them? And if and if and if, um, and if and when, sorry, Phil, if and when um, uh, Meg Lanning stands up and straight pulls Joffrey Archer for six, I will be the first person. To stand up and applaud it. Yep. Absolutely no problem. Well, it, it's a bit like the um jockey that won the Grand National, isn't it? Like she she's in a sport where she's competing against men and well, she's, she's no, no, she's competing against horses. Like <laughs> per- she's not even she's she's standing on the back of a horse. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. so actually, if there was ever yeah, if there was no. ever a, if there was ever a sport where women should have been already equal before the 20th century. It would have been in horse riding and, and jockey. Keep looking shit. for smaller and smaller fellas. Just get a girl. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, the, John Joe O'Neill and, and Willie Mullins have finally cracked it. It's only taken them 500 years. <laughs> I, I know I know you're only uh, in 95% serious, but all, all credit to her. She's Absolutely. Like, she's not, yeah. she's it, not it, just it, sitting it, on a horse. It was incredible, and, and I sat and watched it with um, new Mrs. Lensman and the the, the, the Lenslets and <laughs> le, the Lenslet, uh, the female Lenslet. Um, she was really, you know, it was really, it was really. We, we all, I put a bet on for everyone on Betfair. We all lost, yeah. but Georgie, she bet on um, a female jockey, and she was like, "No, I want one of the girls," and you know. It, it was fantastic, and I, and I do, I do. Went, Don't be stupid. Don't bet on a girl. <laughs> and she was champion. She was champion jockey at Cheltenham, yeah. right? Like, yeah. This is no, yeah. there's no accident. But, but I'm not, I'm not just ninety five percent serious, Phil. I'm a hundred percent serious. Right? I yeah. know there is more to it than just sitting on the back of a horse. Or yeah, that, and I that, know was, that. that was. I my know, point. I know that. But if ever there was a sport where men and women gender, could gender compete. Makes no it just makes no perfect. difference. It yeah. should have never made any difference. But, but why is it only... It's disadvantage to have bollocks, right? But there's plenty of sports where... Unless he's empty them beforehand in one of the females. There's plenty of sports where you could do mixed competitions and it makes no difference. Curling. It makes fuck all difference to curling. Whether I mean, I am... It probably am, makes it harder to brush if you've got them in the I, way. But, I am up there, like, like the cricket, I am all up there for mixed sport in general, right? If it's completely separate to the leagues that already exist, if people want to create mixed sport because everybody wants to be equal, everybody wants the same rights, the same money, the same whatever, like if people are going to watch it, it needs to be a marketable commodity. The money, people need to understand the money comes from the marketing and for marketing, people need to watch it so people then spend money to market it to make it a viable product. I don't. Right? I don't. I don't think there's any reason why, for example, uh, you know, f- female footballers yeah, couldn't agree. compete in agree. men's football. Agree. But I, you know, their ceiling at the moment is probably what national league. Uh, at best, I mean, yeah. you, I've watched. I've watched women's Premier League football. 
And I still, still to this day, I mean, I played a Vets match yesterday and I still to this day can look at that game and think that is no better than what I played in yesterday. But, you know, I do think Sarah Taylor, her wicket-keeping stands up to any male wicket-keeper in the world. Agree. But if Joffre Archer's bowling at her, she ain't getting a game. Because... He's gonna he's gonna take it the cleaners. It's it's um, like um Emily Scarrett, isn't it? Like she's she's a fantastic centre. But yeah. if she's got two Alangi coming down her channel, then I'm back in Manu, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if there's ever a euphemism, um, <laughs> Emily Emily Scarrett's got Manu coming down her channel or upper channel or in a channel, I'll tell you what, she's it. she's a very good commentator as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, so what I was going to say earlier while we we're on the cricket chat and we kind of moved on from it, um, <laughs> did you see there was a it was a Australia New Zealand, I think it was an ODI, there might have been a T20, and one of the Kiwi bowlers bowled a slower ball that was 34 kilometers an hour. <laughs> 34 kilometres an I hour. I mean, a T20 game is only supposed to be an hour and 15 minutes per <laughs> innings. That would have taken about seven minutes to get to the crease. Uh, yeah, no, it was an ODI. Um, but yeah, it was, and it got knobbed to mid-off, I think, for no run. Well, <laughs> I think that's what a lot of, a lot of amateur cricketers don't sort of appreciate. Why can't, why do the professional players hit it so far? Because the ball's going much, much quicker when you hit it. <laughs> like, it's, it's simple physics. Yeah. Try, trying to hit Brian, who's the, you know, groundsman, you know, bowl, bowling his dibbly doblers yeah. over cover for six is not easy. Not easy. But no. it's quick pitch. Over, over mid-wicket, it's much easier. Yeah, you, 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 you're not top-edging, Brian, are you, for six? <laughs> <laughs> I was at Edging Brian to second slip. I was watching a test match at uh, I think it was Old Trafford, and they had a speed gun set up so people could have a go. And um, this guy was bowling, and I, he was obviously like a club player or whatever. And I I looked at it, and he bowled, and I was like, Oof. I was like, that guy's quick. And uh, the speed gun had him at fifty-eight miles an hour. <laughs> did, did you have a go? No. I, I didn't. I didn't want to get it to break it by trying to get it into minus figures. Ben's Ben's loopy, uh, slow right arm. I don't think would have uh, registered. It, but it's like when the commentators say, "Oh yeah, that was nothing more than a push." Yeah, it's nothing more than a push. The ball was already going ninety miles an hour. It's going to come <laughs> off the bat quickly. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not hard to work out. I equal force meets a move velocity. Miles an hour in a bowling machine, and it was. You know, quick, quick. <laughs> yeah. and and and, and it, with a bowling machine, you know where it's going to pitch because you've yeah. told them where to set it up, so mm. you can watch two just go past your bat. When you bowl, when you <laughs> well got outside somebody, off stump, well please. outside off stump, yeah. <laughs> yeah sorry, sorry <laughs> I've massively um, let you all down, and I've and I've told a lie there. It wasn't thirty-four kilometers an hour; it was thirty-eight kilometers an hour. Oh, mate. Hey, the, the difference is when you've got a 90 mile an hour bowler that can bowl it on your toes or at your nose yeah. and anywhere in between and it's all the best time but there you go right well I think we've we've probably gone on for, for long enough um, that was ask 
maul over anything. I, I, it was actually thoroughly enjoyable. And it's almost more enjoyable than talking about rugby in general. <laughs> I'd um, say absolutely 100% more enjoyable than talking about rugby. Which is weird. Especially so maybe, European rugby. Maybe, I mean, the Premiership's back this week, but, you know, that's dead now. There's no relegation. Hopefully, Elin will beat Saracens, but Saracens basically picked a full England 15 to literally dry ream Bedford at the weekend. So, uh, yeah. I don't know how I'll hold out too much hope. But fingers crossed for Elin anyway. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, go well. It, sorry, did you say it's Elin Saracens this weekend? No, 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 no. Not yet, it's not. But uh, Elin beat the Cornish Pirates this weekend. Yeah. Um, I just know that that will be, uh, will be coming soon. Elin versus Saracens. I don't know when it is. But uh, I think it's when, when all the internationals are, are well up to speed, should we say. This weekend, Ealing are at home to Jersey and Saracens are playing Doncaster away. Chocolate table, clash that. Yeah, Doncaster are doing well. But there you go. Uh, right, we'll be back next week, potentially. Um, if you're all still here. So, uh, yeah, go well. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.